So if we're going to talk about growing spiritually uh, and how to do that, we probably need to start here with a principle, okay? And, and, and uh, I want to encourage you to get your sermon notes. There, there's a lot of sermon notes this morning. I think we can do all this. We're going to do our very best to get you out on time. But it's front and back, and it's, it's full up. So grab that yellow sheet of paper. And we need to start with this principle, okay? Uh, and, and here it is. You need to know that God expects... He, he intends spiritual growth in his children. You, you have to know that. God, God expects it. This is part of God's plan, is that his children would, would grow uh, spiritually. And, and, and of course, we've got to go back to how we become God's children. John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and he says, how do I get this eternal life thing? And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. And, and Jesus uses these words intentionally. These are God's words. He says, you have to be born again. He doesn't say, uh, like Adam, you have to be formed again. <coughs> he says, no, you, you have to be born again. And, and Nicodemus gets it. He says, but I can't crawl back up into my mother's womb. He understands there's a birth analogy going on here. And Jesus says, no, you have to be born of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit of God gives birth to, to Spirit. You must be born of the Spirit. And God uses His words very intentionally. And He says that when we become a Christian, we are born of the Spirit. Now, now that, that means something. When you're born, you're a baby. And then when you study God's Word, you begin to, to see this same imagery it is on display. That, that this baby, this infant uh, in Jesus, this infant spiritual being, then God intends to grow. In fact, Paul tells us about that. Remember Ephesians 4, we studied this together. Uh, Paul writes, it was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And the point Paul is making is that spiritually we are meant for growth and evidently that growth doesn't just happen naturally. He's saying you're, you're meant for more than this. He says, evidently this isn't the, the most natural thing. You, you, you've, got to, uh, you've got to follow in Jesus. And, and, and Paul in fact, basically says that when he writes in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He says, the man without the, the Spirit does not accept the things of God for their foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And in and, and 1 Corinthians 2.14, that phrase, man without the Spirit, it literally means the, the natural man. The natural man can't understand the things of God. And he's saying it doesn't come naturally. This, this spiritual growth thing, it doesn't come naturally. Galatians 5, uh, he begins to, to describe this natural man and, and this spiritual man and the differences between the two. And I want you to turn to Galatians 5. We're going to spend a little time there uh, this morning. Um, Galatians chapter 5. And I'm just going to read this to you, starting in verse 16, and we'll talk about it a little more. It says, So I, so I, so I say, live by the Spirit, and, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what's contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with one another, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature, that's the, the natural man, are obvious. Sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery and idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and discord and jealousy and 
fits of rage and selfish ambition, dissensions and factions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so Paul says, listen, the natural man is completely self-consumed. They're pursuing their passions. They're doing whatever feels good. But the spiritual man is the opposite. They're disciplined. They're in control of their passions. And then Paul Paul gives his own personal testimony, and I want to share that with you about what's going on in his life. Uh, let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Just turn back a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul talks about what this looks like in his own life and, and how he's pursuing Jesus and how he's becoming more like Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I beat my body and I make it my slave. He's talking about discipline. Here's what I want you to see this morning, okay? Kind of a big deal. You ask the question, how do I, how do I grow spiritually? There's, there's two components. I think we've forgotten this. As Christians, we, we, maybe we bought into the fact that there was just one component. There's actually two. And I say we bought into one because some of us focus solely on the one, uh, the first one. Some of us focus solely on the second one. We, we forget the first one, and, and you've got to have both. And so let's begin here. Uh, if you want to grow spiritually, you've got to begin with this truth. Uh, you've got to be a spiritual man. Right? You can't be a natural man. You've got to be born of the Spirit of God. You've got to be a spiritual man or, 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 or a spiritual woman. You have to be born of the, of the Spirit. To grow spiritually, you have to have the Spirit of God in you. That's pretty important. And so you kind of have to start there. And, and some of you have been so frustrated because you've been in church your whole life and, and you've been trying to be a good person. And friends, the point of Christianity uh, isn't that you are a good person. The point of Christianity is that you understand your need for Jesus and that, that He begins to transform you. And the byproduct of that may be that you're a better quote-unquote person as far as the world is concerned. But the most important aspect of that is that you can stand before God and that Jesus stands in your defense as the righteous one and you have access to the Father because of what He's done. That's, that's the heart of it. And so the byproduct may be that we become better at some point. We'll get to that in a second. So you have to start there. You've got to be a spiritual man. Second, it's not enough to just to be born of the Spirit. You also have to be exercising or walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, again, I, I'll just, I'll just I want to read it to you. Galatians 5, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That word live in the Greek, it means walk or make progress. Does that sink in for a moment? <laughs> He says, if you, if you live in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature because they oppose one another. And that word live means to make progress. There's a portrait of the Christian life, friends. We are to constantly be making progress in our walk with Jesus. We're exercising, walking, making progress in the Spirit. There's some things that you need to know about these spiritual disciplines. I'll define spiritual disciplines in a second. But there's some things you need to know just from the onset. Number one, I mentioned this a second ago, they're not natural. 
They're not natural. You know, just like physical discipline's not natural. I don't know about you, but I don't roll out of bed in the morning and just kind of roll off my bed and onto the floor into the position and start doing crunches. That's not how my day begins, right? I typically stumble half blind into the kitchen, looking for the coffee pot and trying to do things. And I, I mean, my, my day, now some of you wake up and you just jump out of bed and woo, you're ready to go. God bless you. Don't come to my house early. <clears throat> I don't have a gun, but I'll shoot you with something. Uh, but spiritual disciplines aren't natural, right? Hey, have you ever been on a natural diet? Has that ever worked for you? You ever say, I, I need to lose, I need to lose a little bit of weight, and it just come naturally? Oh yeah, you know, you read the stuff and it says you're only supposed to eat this much protein, you know, and you think, God, I wish I had bigger hands. Uh, and, and you just, you know, and you're supposed to have this much, and the rest of it's all supposed to be salad and vegetables. That doesn't come natural, does it? No. I want more bread than anything else, right? I want enough protein. That I want the chicken fried steak that goes off of the sides of my plate, covered in gravy, because that's goodness from God. Okay? Diet doesn't come naturally. Guess what? Guess what? If those physical things don't come naturally, if physical discipline doesn't come naturally, then why do you think that spiritual disciplines will? Why do you think that you're just naturally supposed to pray and naturally supposed to wake up wanting to read your Bible and naturally you want to come to church and worship God? It doesn't work that way. Okay? Spiritual disciplines aren't natural. Number two, you need to know this. Spiritual disciplines in and of themselves don't equate to spiritual maturity. Right? It's, they're not the same thing as spiritual maturity. I, I'll give you some, some, some examples, right? I, I can lift weights, but that doesn't make me a bodybuilder. You following me? I can grab my wife's little 10-pound little barbells and I can get after it, but that doesn't make me a bodybuilder. I'm not ready to go to, into competition. I can run a lap, but that doesn't make me a marathoner. You can have that little thing pop up on your phone with a verse for the day. That doesn't mean you're pursuing Jesus. You following me? Okay? So these in and of them thing, and here's the third one. All of these things have to start. They have to start. They've got to be motivated out of love for God. They've got to start with worship. This is what we talked about last week, okay? And so, so we've, got to start, we've got to start there. I want you to understand that. Now, having understood that, I want you to understand what spiritual disciplines are, okay? What are spiritual disciplines? Let's, let's, this is fill in the blank for you on your notes, all right? Here's what they are. Spiritual disciplines are spiritual exercises that are meant to aid in an intentional pursuit of intimacy with God. They are spiritual exercises that are meant to aid in an intentional pursuit of intimacy with God. Intentional is a big word. Pursuit's a big word, right? Aid is a big word. That, that's kind of a big definition. Now, hear this. The aim of these things, guys, is just to nurture spiritual health and to help foster spiritual growth that leads to maturity. That, that, that's the aim. This is what we're shooting for. Okay, Just to nurture spiritual health and to foster uh, spiritual growth. That's kind of where we're headed. And, and, and then lastly, I, I, I just I want you to see this. Um, well, well, we'll get there in a second. It, it, it's all about movement. Okay, think, think about it this way. It's all about movement. The, the goal of spiritual discipline is to move you from where you are naturally to where God would have you be spiritually. And you need to think of it that way. It, it, when, that's why we call it exercise. It's movement. It's movement. That's the point. It's to get you going. And so uh, the goal, I want you to write this down, the goal is not to make you a better person. Just, just get that out of the way right now. 
Now, 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 being a better person, that, that, that may be a byproduct of all this, but this isn't to make you a better person. That's, that's not the aim. The, the goal is to help you um, experience the life of God. It, it, the goal is to, to help you know Him and, and to love Him and to serve Him. It, it's the life of God. John 10.10, right? Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. So my question this morning would, would be, do you feel that way? Are you experiencing abundance right now? Because if you're not, and if I'm not, that's a sign unto me. That's a sign unto me that I'm lacking discipline somewhere in my life spiritually. Because that's, that's the aim of these things, is to help me experience deep abundance in Jesus, to abide in Christ, right? Because the truth of the word is that when I'm not abiding in Him, I can do nothing on my own. And yet, so often as Christians, we're not practicing, we're not exercising, we're not walking in Him. We're not abiding in Him. And we wonder why we feel like so much is not clicking, why so much is not working together. Okay? So, so it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, uh, having, having said that, um, there are tons of disciplines uh, that have been uh, tied, tons of, tons of spiritual disciplines that have been identified throughout the years. Here uh, at our church, we're going to focus on what we be, believe to be six core spiritual disciplines. I'm going to spout them off to you. Don't try to write them down, because this is what the next six things on your notes are. Uh, we're going we're to focus on worship, prayer, scripture, service, stewardship, and fellowship. Okay, worship prayer, scripture, service, stewardship, and, and fellowship. And so let's, let's, let's talk about them a little bit this morning. Let's begin with worship, okay? At Matthew 4.10, Jesus is being tempted in the desert. He's, 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 he's fighting the enemy by quoting scripture. And he says uh, to the devil, he says, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Remember, the enemy is tempting him to worship him. I'll give you all this. And he says, no, don't you know that it's written, worship the Lord your God and, and serve him only. And some of you say, well, pastor, I thought that worship was a purpose. I thought that worship was a purpose for the church. Well, you're right. It is, it is a, a, a purpose, but it's also something that takes practice. Amen? Something that takes practice. Worship is the proper response of the created to the creator. That's what worship is. It's a proper response of, of those that have been created by God unto God who is creator. And it's not just about singing. Uh, it's about living our lives. And I like what Richard Foster says. He's talking about worship as a spiritual discipline. He says, listen, worship should be considered a spiritual discipline because it's an ordered way of acting and living that sets us before God so that He can transform us. Ever think about that? When we worship God, when we live our lives for God, worship is a way, um, it gives us a way to make sure we're constantly, continually setting ourselves before God so that God can transform us. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so uh, worship is, is a spiritual discipline. It's, it's one of those things that we're going to need you uh, to, to learn to make a part of your life, okay? Uh, number two is prayer. Prayer. Um, Acts 2.42, the early church, right? And remember, they were devoted to this. It says they devoted themselves to, to prayer. It just, it, this is what the earliest church was known for. They were known for praying. We know that Jesus would often slip away to de uh, deserted places, Scripture says, to, to pray. That's what He did. Look at this with me. Prayer is, uh, is God's chosen method of access into His presence. 
This is God's way that He says, I want you to come to me, and I want you to come to me and talk to me in prayer. This is God's chosen method for, for us to come into His presence. Uh, and when that happens, we encounter Him in relationship. We encounter Him in relationship, and, and we are loved, comforted, directed, and strengthened. Doesn't that sound good? Anybody else feel like they need that? Like, wow! Duh! That's what I've been missing right there! I, I, I need to be comforted by God, and I need to be led by God. I need to be strengthened and encouraged by God. That's what I need. I need prayer. Think about this with me, right? In Scripture, we, we see that Jesus taught us, told us to pray. He taught us to pray, and He assumed that we would pray. He says, you know, and when you pray, pray this way. Jesus told us to pray. He taught us how to pray, and he assumed that we would be praying people. It's kind of a big deal. It's about learning to often and regularly uh, and rightly speak to our Lord and Savior. So prayer is a big deal. Number three, Scripture. Paul urges Timothy to, to be diligent, uh, to present himself as a workman, approved one that's uh, approved who accurately handles the word of truth. Uh, listen, where, where prayer is God's chosen method for us to speak to him... Um, Scripture, it's God's chosen method to speak to us. Okay? Where, where prayer, I always hear, I'm not hearing from the Lord, I'm not hearing from the Lord. Well, listen, um, prayer is God's chosen method for you to talk to the Lord. Scripture is His chosen method to speak to you. Uh, scripture has everything that, that we need to know about God has been revealed to us in Scripture. When you have questions that Scripture doesn't answer, those are questions that God doesn't think are very important for you to know. God has revealed everything about Himself that you need to know. He's laid that bare for you in Scripture. It's kind of a big deal. That's how He wants to talk to you. It involves knowing God. It involves learning His ways. Think about it this way. Um, when you love somebody, you remember back when you were, uh, those of you that are married, you remember trying to woo your wife? Do you remember how difficult the process that is? Women, you don't make anything easy, you know? Can I just say that in love? I mean, it's, it's it, you know, we really had to work. And some of us, like, you know, I mean, like Byron was like, hey, look at me, I'm a big football player, you want to go out? Like, I know, I've seen pictures, man. You were like, you were like this big old beefcake, and, you know, I had the hair and the thing, and, you know, whatever, I get it. Some of us, you know, we're vertically challenged and, and a little pasty white and freckled, and it takes a little bit more, you know. Uh, it just takes a little bit more, and, and I, you know, I, I joke with you, and my wife will tell you in the second service. You know, I, I asked her out like several times, and she like told me no, like shut down. We we're best friends, like no, not happening. You have to, you make it hard, make it hard. You got to work at it. Do you remember if that pursuit, if you remember it all, you remember one of the things you wanted to know when you were dating? You want to know everything about them. You want I couldn't get enough information about her. I want to know everything that she liked and everything that she didn't like. I wanted to know her past. I want to know what she thought about for the future. I wanted every detail. Why? Because I was in love with her. See it? When you love somebody, you want to know everything about them. The more you know, the more you love. It's right here. The more you know, the more you love. Do you love him? Do I love him? It should be reflected in the way that I treat Scripture. It's not an end in itself. It's a purpose. It's meant to drive us to Jesus, to be more like him. Service. 
First Peter 4.10 says, As each have received a gift, employ it in serving one another. And again, this is unnatural. When we talk about serving one another, we're talking about doing things that I wouldn't normally do in serving others instead of myself. Right? Because naturally, we're just going to serve ourselves. So service is when you step out of the natural and you decide, listen, instead of doing things for me, and friends, that is the choice, by the way. People think, well, I'll serve, I'm going to serve somebody else, and I'll still have all my me time. It doesn't work that way. When you live a life of service, you don't get me time. You don't get me time, right? And you think about Jesus. How much me time did Jesus have? None. He was having to slip away like at crazy hours just to get some prayer in. God, I just need to focus. And yet we think that we should have it all. We should have all this time for me. And, and But I, I'm still doing other things. And, and service, it's unnatural. It's doing things that I wouldn't normally do in serving others rather than myself. It's pushing beyond our selfish sin nature to take on the nature and the mind of Christ who was a servant. Service is meeting needs with love. It's deliberately looking for opportunities to be God's hands and feet. Service is, is, is a hug or a phone call or a warm meal, and it can be so much more than that. It's pouring yourselves into the lives of others. And it takes work. It's not going to come naturally for you. Natural for you is your couch and your television set. Think about that. I don't know about you, Anybody have a sofa that's got a worn mark in it? When people walk into your house, do they know where you lie? A little print, right? My wife and I, she takes the big couch for some reason, I don't know. Because she doesn't like the windows behind her, but she still takes the big couch. And myself, I sit on the love seat, my feet go up on the, on the little thing. She looked the other day and she goes, oh my gosh, look at the side of that there. Is that your feet that do that? Probably a sign that I'm not serving enough. Right? Okay? Service. It's a discipline. Number five. Stewardship. Uh, Matthew six nineteen through 21. Um, Jesus, this is the Sermon on the Mount. And you remember, he says, listen, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. And, and, and you know, the crazy thing about Scripture, you read the New Testament, and it is true. Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven or hell combined. Now, he talks about the kingdom of God more than all of that, but heaven or hell, Jesus actually talks about money more than those other two subjects combined. And you say, why would Jesus focus on money so much? And friends, I believe wholeheartedly it's because money speaks to worldview. Money speaks to our worldview, the way that we view money. Because here's the thing that Jesus needed us to understand, and it's a basic belief of Christianity, that God made everything and owns everything. That it's His. This is part of our worldview. If we think that it's ours, then we're going to constantly live a selfish life where we live for our own glory, saving up here on earth, not giving ourselves to kingdom work. And Jesus knew and understood that. And He said, the Scripture says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything that we have is a gift from God. So this is about intentionally pursuing to live a life that proclaims, get this, that proclaims God is king, not me. That, that, that proclaims God is king, not country. That proclaims God is king, not money. That, that God is what I'm living for, not my, not my retirement. Whoo! So many of us, we, we, need to, we need to exercise here. 
We've got to exercise in this area and learn that God, it's all His. It's all His. It has to do with our worldview. And when you see Christians that are living for retirement instead of for Jesus coming back, and you wonder why the church is in the state that it's in today, and you wonder why every pew isn't full. Okay, it's about our worldview. And so stewardship is another area that we need to exercise. Number six, the last one that we'll focus on, we believe to be the last core area, is fellowship. Fellowship. Again, our early church, um, Acts 2, they were devoted to fellowship. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron, that, that we're made to live in, in relationship with one another. I had a former student call me this week, and he said, Hey, Jason, I, I'm trying to do a Bible study. I want to do a Bible study in relationship. And he's telling me his ideas, and then he said, What scripture can I make that happen? And I told him the same thing, and I, I, I told Travis, you know, before, when Travis first got here, I said, Stop! You don't get to have your idea and try to make scripture fit your idea. You've got to change your idea to fit scripture so i said you want to start with relationships you got to go back to genesis and the fact that god created you for relationship that's who god is you're made in his image god lives eternally in relationship with himself you're made in his image you're made for relationship you're made to have relationship with god and you're made to have relationship for others and when you choose not to live in that not only are you you choosing to set aside the purposes of god for your life but you're choosing to settle for so much less than what God has for you. Friends, we're not made to play church. We're not made to, to, to wear masks. Christianity's not about I'm fine and I'm okay. It's not about masks or fake smiles or perfect kids. Christianity is about real hurts, real struggles, real sin, and a real Savior. That's what it's about. That's what it's about, man. That's what it's got to be about. It's got to be. You know, and, and Chris, I, I'll tell you, brother, this morning, I, I owe you an apology. I lied to you this morning. You asked how it was. I said it was good. I'm not. I'm hurting. Man, I, this stuff is hitting me in the face. I'm realizing that I'm a sinner, and I am in need of my Savior, and He is tearing me up. I'm not Okay. I'm not okay where I am. I'm not okay with my life. I'm not okay with my laziness. I'm not okay with being lukewarm. I'm not okay with, with, with reading my Bible to study for you folks. I'm not okay with, with my passion for Jesus just being when I'm singing about Him. I'm not okay. Are you okay? Because I'm not. I'm a wreck. I probably shouldn't be standing here in front of you. Maybe I need to tag out with somebody because I am not okay. That's what fellowship is about, man. Fellowship is about that, that. Listen, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care if you think I have. Go walk in my house right now. It's not all. We're having a small group at the church, by the way. We had a garage sale yesterday. My wife's trying to do stuff for Operation Christmas Child. I got I got cardboard everywhere. I had throw up in the crib. I mean, we just we just got it today. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. But you know what? Jesus is. <laughs> Jesus is. And, and we, we need that fellowship. I don't know about you. I needed to be with you today. It's important, okay? So what do we do with all this, alright? I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you last week. Be like, this dude is repetitive. Yes. There's some things you just need to get. Uh, again, straight from last week. 
This is my goal. It's got to be your goal. This has to be it. We have to make personal worship of God a priority. Not, not just a priority. It has to be the priority of our lives. Personal worship of God. I spent some time up here last night, just quiet, dark. I had to turn on a few lights. I'm not afraid of the dark, but it gets a little creepy up in this place, I'm just going to say. And I thought about when I first accepted Christ and how much I loved Him. In the book of Revelation, it's talking to the church in Ephesus. It says, remember the height from which you've fallen. You know, you've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. I thought about all the things I did when I first got saved. Yeah, I, I, I used to journal. Man, I just, I just, I, I almost didn't even pray to God using words. Uh, that I spoke. Every every prayer to God was written on a sheet of paper. And I don't know what it was. I, I don't know. I uh, picked up my journal last night. I don't know what it was. Something about it. I, I just told God. I, I know it's not like here somehow I have your heart captured more than I do. But I feel that way. Some, it, it changes me. It doesn't change him. He's God. But it changes me when, when, I'm, when I'm there. And I'm, I'm, I'm just pouring myself out on, on a page. It changes me. And. I don't know what you used to do when you first got saved. Maybe it was being excited about church. Maybe it was worshiping Jesus at the top of your lungs in your car and not caring who thought what. Maybe it was not trying to be dressed so nice for church so that everybody knew that you didn't have it all together. I don't know what you did, but I do know this. I know it's scriptural to go back and do the things you did at first. That's not saying that you don't add and grow. I mean, clearly we know that. We're going to add these disciplines. We're going to grow. But you can't lose the stuff you did at first. Don't lose sight of that love. So you've got to start there. Make personal worship your greatest priority in life. And here's the second one, okay? <coughs> Excuse me. You've got to start exercising your spirit. Once you feel like you've got this worship thing down, you need to you, you need to take the next step. And uh, and and here's here's what we're going to ask you to do. Maybe uh, anybody get on our website on a regular basis. Anybody go to our website? Okay. Well, that's terrible. And now from now on, you need to make it your home page. Okay. When you open your internet browser, it's not hard. You go into settings. You make it fbcelgin.org so you can know. This is why people don't know what's going on in the church. They don't even go. We've, we have three things that rotate. Here's the three things we're doing. We're having a parenting conference? Yes. It's on the web page. Okay. All right. So go home and change that. Uh, all right, so uh, here's the deal. On our webpage, you used to log on, and, and it would say home. That was the first button, and, you know, that would help you navigate. Uh, if you log on, there's no more home button. So if you're on another page, you go, how do I get back to the front page? You click on the icon at top, the, the logo that says, FB, you know, CL. You click on that, you'll go back home. We had to get rid of that so that we could add this, okay? Uh, there's a new section that says grow. And uh, when you go to the website, what we're going to ask you to do, if you're going to start this exercise, you need to click on Grow. And it's going to explain what we've been walking through here. Brandon Sappington, a member of our church, uh, who is a video producer, uh, has worked very hard to take our whiteboard talks. and He's making them awesome for you, and notes will be included. And you can go back on, and you can watch those talks again. Okay? And in the little third link there, it says, uh, Next Step Spiritual Growth Assessment. And that's a live and active link now. That's something that you have access to. You click on that, it'll take you to this page. Uh, and, and it talks about what a spiritual growth assessment is. Um, it, it tells you what's going to be required of you. It tells you how to take it and how to get started. And there's a live link there uh, where you can download the spiritual growth assessment. We've been talking about it for months. It's available. Uh, it's 30 questions. It'll take you 20, 30 minutes. Um, you, know, you may be able to do it in 10. 
to be honest. It, it, it's just 30 questions, covers these six areas. There's five questions in each discipline. It's going to help us identify the best opportunity for growth for you. And then you've got to submit. You know, follow the instructions. Men, you hear me? Your wives will follow the instructions. Men, I need you to follow the instructions. One of you is going to send me uh, test results and scores, and all that's going to be attached is your email address. And I'm not going to know that you're BigEarl721734 at gmail.com. I'm not going to know that. But the instructions clearly say, please include your name, your full name, and your scores. Okay? You're going to have to follow the instructions or you'll receive an email from me in love with my great spiritual gift of mercy that says, Hey, did you not read the instructions? I have no idea who you are in Jesus' name. Uh, you or the other 20 people that didn't listen. Uh, okay, so I want to encourage you to do that. Guys, and, and, and listen, there's nothing magic about that. When you do that, uh, eventually you're going to have to give us a couple weeks. Uh, I, hope to, I hope it's not that, that long, uh, but as we get this thing started right now, just so you know, I, I'm getting all of those emails. Me. Just as we get started. Because I want to make sure that you get uh, a growth plan. And it's individualized for you. It's going to be in one of these six, six areas. You're going to get that from me. I'm going to schedule a time that I can shoot you an email and check on you. I'm going to do that. That's my, my, my commitment to you. I told you we're, we're shuffling things here so that we can focus on discipleship. I want you to be everything that Jesus has for you. But for that to happen, we've got to start moving. We've got to start moving. We can't just sit still and do the same thing and wonder why God's not working the way that he wants to work. Okay? I'm going to start moving. I'm going to get up off my love seat, I promise. There's not going to be an indention there anymore. Um, there might be one in the rug next to my love seat. That's where I like to pray when everybody's asleep. We're going to work on that indention now. And, uh, which I realize, I, I don't, how do y'all pray? Does, do y'all just pray sitting down? I like to be face down. That's just me. Okay, I like to be face down. And I realize I really need to vacuum that rug. Like it's, it's, a, it's just a little, I've had some kids eating some stuff there evidently. You know what? I pray and hope this week that you realize that you need to vacuum your rug too. I really, really do. I think God's got something awesome.